Hello and welcome back to the podcast, Discipleship in Challenging Times. My name is Peter Morden and I'm from Cornerstone Baptist Church in Leeds. As I said yesterday, we are recommencing our journey through 1 Corinthians and we are picking up in 1 Corinthians 11. The verses that I'll read today are 1 Corinthians 11 verses 2 to 16. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that your mercies are new every morning. And that's great if we are engaging with this first thing in the morning, but it's also true that your mercies are new if we are pausing perhaps at midday, if we're reading this in the evening, if we are hearing this last thing at night. Thank you that your mercies are strong and sure throughout the day. So, Lord, we look to you for your mercy and grace And we pray for your help in every way as we read your word and as we look at it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as I said, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 2. I praise you, says the Apostle Paul, for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realise that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonours his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonours her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was woman, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, it is the Lord. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? for long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Well, you probably don't need me to tell you that these verses are controversial. Much ink has been spilt 
debating their interpretation and their application. And much of this, I believe, has missed the heart of Paul's teaching. These verses, I humbly submit, have nothing to do with women today wearing hats in church and still less about women being silent. See the assumptions in verses 4 to 6 that women will both pray and prophesy. So what is it that's going on here? Well, our understanding of particular words is really important. The word that is translated head in most Bible versions is the Greek word kephale. It's used repeatedly in this passage and three times in verse 3 alone. And the translation is difficult. Does it mean head, with headship usually assumed to denote some form of authority, or does it mean source? Either is possible linguistically. Head is probably most likely, but as one commentator says, the understanding of head here is more like topmost, and it excludes any competitiveness that might lead someone to impose upon the other by sheer weight of authority. What does it mean when it talks about long hair? Well, it could refer to veils or hoods, and whether it is a veil or long hair, it is a cultural expression. It indicates controlled sexuality. It appears that in Paul's day, a woman with an uncovered head in this particular culture could essentially be saying, I'm available, I'm sexually available. And so an awareness of culture is really important too. So what is being said to us here? Well, I want to suggest that there are a few things. And the first thing is that there is a a right way and a wrong way to preach. It does seem, perhaps, that some women in this particular culture at this particular time were being being very, very assertive in the way that they preached. There was a new freedom in Christ, very different from the culture that swirled around them. And just some were, were stepping over the line and not preaching in the way of love. Preachers of both genders can fall into this trap today. I detect it more in men than in women. People get into the pulpit, people get to the rostrum, and they want to tell everybody off, and there is no love in their hearts. If that was an issue here in Corinth, so it is an issue for us today. And I want to apply it to all of those who preach and teach, both male and female, and say that we need to carry the love of God in our hearts. Yes, there needs to be a challenge. Yes, we need to be unshrinking in declaring the wonders of God in the scriptures. But we need to do it in a a right way, in a loving way. There is also a challenge about maintaining high standards in respect of sexual probity. 
There is a mutuality between men and women that is here in this passage. And Paul commends reverence and respect. The reference to the angels, which seems obscure, reinforces this. There may be a link back to Isaiah 6, where the angels are before God and they're covering their faces and they're covering their feet in the presence of God. That sense of mutual respect, of preferring the other and maintaining the highest standards of sexual purity is really, really important. And finally, I want to come back to the mutuality question. We need each other, male and female. Mutuality and interdependence grounded in the dynamic interrelationships within the Godhead. Look at how Paul earths this in the relationship between the Son and the Father. We think of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, and we see that dynamic interrelationship within the Godhead. And no hierarchy, but that mutual love that there is within the very nature of our glorious God. And so men and women too are to exist in mutual interrelationship. We need each other. We need one another. God has created it so. And so in church life, may we reflect that mutuality. May we understand and respect one another. And may we together press on to be the people of God, serving him as one. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these words, challenging as they are. And we pray, first of all, that you would help us in all of our preaching and our teaching to have your love deeply in our hearts. Help us in our churches, in your church, O Lord, to maintain the strongest standards of sexual purity. Maybe as we reflect and pray, God just wants to challenge someone here. Perhaps they're going off track in this area. Perhaps they are behaving in such a way that is tempting others. Lord, forgive us and cleanse us and renew us. Put us back on the right track by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, thank you for the way that you have created us, male and female. Thank you for the mutuality and the interdependence there is. And thank you that that's grounded in the relationship that you have within yourself. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God, we worship you. We worship you that you exist in relationship, that it's part of your very character, it's part of your nature. And thank you that you have also written this into the fabric of creation and that you have created us male and female. Lord, help us to love one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Help us to be the church together. 
Help us to be a refuge for men and women who are confused and broken and hurting, a place of healing. Help us to prefer the other. So, Lord, we bring our prayers to you. In Jesus' name, amen.